part three section twelve of swan's way by marcel proust translated by c k scott moncrief eighteen eighty nine to nineteen thirty this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three swan in love section eleven swan was still unconscious of the disgrace that threatened him at the verderons and continued to regard all their absurdities in the most rosy light through the admiring eyes of love as a rule he made no appointments with odette except for the evenings he was afraid of her growing tired of him if he visited her during the day as well at the same time he was reluctant to forfeit even for an hour the place that he held in her thoughts and so was constantly looking out for an opportunity of claiming her attention in any way that would not be displeasing to her if in a florist's or a jeweller's window a plant or an ornament caught his eye he would at once think of sending them to odette imagining that the pleasure which the casual sight of them had given him would instinctively be felt also by her and would increase her affection for himself and he would order them to be taken at once to the rue la perouse so as to accelerate the moment in which as she received an offering from him he might feel himself in a sense transported into her presence he was particularly anxious always that she should receive these presents before she went out for the evening so that her sense of gratitude towards him might give additional tenderness to her welcome when he arrived at the verderons might even for all he knew if the shopkeeper made haste bring him a letter from her before dinner or herself in person upon his doorstep come on a little extraordinary visit of thanks as in an earlier phase when he had experimented with a reflex action of anger and contempt upon her character he sought now by that of gratification to elicit from her fresh particles of her intimate feelings which she had never yet revealed often she was embarrassed by lack of money and under pressure from a creditor would come to him for assistance he enjoyed this as he enjoyed everything which could impress odette with his love for herself or merely with his influence with the extent of the use that she might make of him probably if anyone had said to him at the beginning it's your position that attracts her or at this stage it's your money that she's really in love with she would not have believed the suggestion nor would he have been greatly distressed by the thought that people supposed her to be attached to him that people felt them to be united by any ties so binding as those of snobbishness or wealth but even if he had accepted the possibility it might not have caused him any suffering to discover that odette's love for him was based on a foundation more lasting than mere affection or any attractive qualities which she might have found in him on a sound commercial interest an interest which would postpone forever the fatal day on which she might be tempted to bring their relations to an end for the moment while he lavished presents upon her and performed all manner of services he could rely on advantages not contained in his person or in his intellect could forego the endless killing effort to make himself attractive and this delight in being a lover in living by love alone of the reality of which he was inclined to be doubtful the price which in the long run he must pay for it as a dilettante in immaterial sensations enhanced its value in his eyes as one sees people who are doubtful whether the sight of the sea and the sound of its waves are really enjoyable become convinced that they are as also of the rare quality and absolute detachment of their own taste 
when they have agreed to pay several pounds a day for a room in an hotel from which that sight and that sound may be enjoyed one day when reflections of this order had brought him once again to the memory of the time when someone had spoken to him of odette as of a kept woman and when once again he had amused himself with contrasting that strange personification the kept woman an iridescent mixture of unknown and demoniacal qualities embroidered as in some fantasy of gustave moreau with poison dripping flowers interwoven with precious jewels with that odette upon whose face he had watched the passage of the same expressions of pity for a sufferer resentment of an act of injustice gratitude for an act of kindness which he had seen in earlier days on his own mother's face and on the faces of friends that odette whose conversation had so frequently turned on the things that he himself knew better than any one his collections his room his old servant his banker who kept all his title deeds and bonds the thought of the banker reminded him that he must call on him shortly to draw some money and indeed if during the current month he were to come less liberally to the aid of odette in her financial difficulties than in the month before when he had given her five thousand francs if he refrained from offering her a diamond necklace for which she longed he would be allowing her admiration for his generosity to decline that gratitude which had made him so happy and would even be running the risk of her imagining that his love for her as she saw its visible manifestations grow fewer had itself diminished and then suddenly he asked himself whether that was not precisely what was implied by keeping a woman as if in fact that idea of keeping could be derived from elements not at all mysterious nor perverse but belonging to the intimate routine of his daily life such as that thousand franc note a familiar and domestic object torn in places and mended with gummed paper which his valet after paying the household accounts and the rent had locked up in a drawer in the old writing-desk whence he had extracted it to send it with four others to odette and whether it was not possible to apply to odette since he had known her for he had never imagined for a moment that she could ever have taken a penny from any one else before that title which he had believed so wholly inapplicable to her of kept woman he could not explore the idea further for a sudden access of that mental lethargy which was with him congenital intermittent and providential happened at that moment to extinguish every particle of light in his brain as instantaneously as at a later period when electric lighting had been everywhere installed it became possible merely by fingering a switch to cut off all the supply of light from a house his mind fumbled for a moment in the darkness he took off his spectacles wiped the glasses passed his hands over his eyes but saw no light until he found himself face to face with a wholly different idea the realization that he must endeavour in the coming months to send odette six or seven thousand franc notes instead of five simply as a surprise for her and to give her pleasure in the evening when he did not stay at home until it was time to meet odette at the verderons or rather at one of the open-air restaurants which they liked to frequent in the bois and especially at st cloud he would go to dine in one of those fashionable houses in which at one time he had been a constant guest he did not wish to lose touch with people who for all that he knew might be of use some day to odette and thanks to whom he was often in the meantime able to procure for her some privilege or pleasure 
besides he had been used for so long to the refinement and comfort of good society that side by side with his contempt there had grown up also a desperate need for it with the result that when he had reached the point after which the humblest lodgings appeared to him as precisely on a par with the most princely mansions his senses were so thoroughly accustomed to the latter that he could not enter the former without a feeling of acute discomfort he had the same regard to a degree of identity which they would never have suspected for the little families with small incomes who asked him to dances in their flats straight upstairs to the fifth floor and the door on the left as for the princesse de parme who gave the most splendid parties in paris but he had not the feeling of being actually at the ball when he found himself herded with the fathers of families in the bedroom of the lady of the house while the spectacle of wash handstands covered over with towels and of beds converted into cloak-rooms with a mass of hats and greatcoats sprawling over their counterpanes gave him the same stifling sensation that nowadays people who have been used for half a lifetime to electric light derive from a smoking lamp or a candle that needs to be snuffed if he were dining out he would order his carriage for half-past seven while he changed his clothes he would be wondering all the time about odette and in this way was never alone for the constant thought of odette gave to the moments in which he was separated from her the same peculiar charm as to those in which she was at his side he would get into his carriage and drive off but he knew that this thought had jumped in after him and had settled down upon his knee like a pet animal which he might take everywhere and would keep with him at the dinner-table unobserved by his fellow-guests he would stroke and fondle it warm himself with it and as a feeling of languor swept over him would give way to a slight shuddering movement which contracted his throat and nostrils a new experience this as he fastened the bunch of columbines in his buttonhole he had for some time been feeling neither well nor happy especially since odette had brought forcheville to the verderons and he would have liked to go away for a while to rest in the country but he could never summon up courage to leave paris even for a day while odette was there the weather was warm it was the finest part of the spring and for all that he was driving through a city of stone to immure himself in a house without grass or garden what was incessantly before his eyes was a park which he owned near combray where at four in the afternoon before coming to the asparagus bed thanks to the breeze that was wafted across the field from Meseglise, he could enjoy the fragrant coolness of the air as well beneath an arbor of hornbeams in the garden as by the bank of the pond fringed with forget-me-not and iris and where when he sat down to dinner trained and twined by the gardener's skilful hand there ran all about his table currant-bush and rose after dinner if he had an early appointment in the bois or at st cloud he would rise from table and leave the house so abruptly especially if it threatened to rain and so to scatter the faithful before their normal time that on one occasion the princesse de lome at whose house dinner had been so late the swan had left before the coffee came in to join the verderons on the island in the bois observed really if swan were thirty years older and had diabetes there might be some excuse for his running away like that he seems to look upon us all as a joke he persuaded himself that the springtime charm which he could not go down to combray to enjoy he would find at least on the rue de Cine or at st cloud but as he could think only of odette he would return home not knowing even if he had tasted the fragrance of the young leaves or if the moon had been shining 
he would be welcomed by the little phrase from the sonata played in the garden on the restaurant piano if there was none in the garden the verdurins would have taken immense pains to have a piano brought out either from a private room or from the restaurant itself not because swan was now restored to favor far from it but the idea of arranging an ingenious form of entertainment for someone even for someone whom they disliked would stimulate them during the time spent in its preparation to a momentary sense of cordiality and affection now and then he would remind himself that another fine spring evening was drawing to a close and would force himself to notice the trees in the sky but the state of excitement into which odette's presence never failed to throw him added to a feverish ailment which for some time now had scarcely left him robbed him of that sense of quiet and comfort which is an indispensable background to the impressions that we derive from nature one evening when swann had consented to dine with the verdurins and had mentioned during dinner that he had to attend next day the annual banquet of an old comrades association odette had at once exclaimed across the table in front of everyone in front of forcheville who was now one of the faithful in front of the painter in front of cotard yes i know you have your banquet to-morrow i shan't see you then till i get home don't be too late and although swann had never yet taken offence at all seriously at odette's demonstrations of friendship for one or other of the faithful he felt an exquisite pleasure on hearing her thus avow before them all with that calm immodesty the fact that they saw each other regularly every evening his privileged position in her house and her own preference for him which it implied it was true that swann had often reflected that odette was in no way a remarkable woman and in the supremacy which he wielded over a creature so distinctly inferior to himself there was nothing that especially flattered him when he heard it proclaimed to all the faithful but since he had observed that to several other men than himself odette seemed a fascinating and desirable woman the attraction which her body held for him had aroused a painful longing to secure the absolute mastery of even the tiniest particles of her heart and he had begun to attach an incalculable value to those moments passed in her house in the evenings when he held her upon his knee made her tell him what she thought about this or that and counted over that treasure to which alone of all his earthly possessions he still clung and so after this dinner drawing her aside he took care to thank her effusively seeking to indicate to her by the extent of his gratitude the corresponding intensity of the pleasures which it was in her power to bestow on him the supreme pleasure being to guarantee him immunity for as long as his love should last and he remained vulnerable from the assaults of jealousy when he came away from his banquet the next evening it was pouring rain and he had nothing but his victoria a friend offered to take him home in a closed carriage and as odette by the fact of her having invited him to come had given him an assurance that she was expecting no one else he could with a quiet mind and an untroubled heart rather than set off thus in the rain have gone home and to bed but perhaps if she saw that he seemed not to adhere to his resolution to end every evening without exception in her company she might grow careless and fail to keep free for him just the one evening on which he particularly desired it it was after eleven when he reached her door and as he made his apology for having been unable to come away earlier she complained that it was indeed very late the storm had made her unwell her head ached and she warned him that she would not let him stay longer than half an hour then at midnight she would send him away a little while later she felt tired and wished to sleep 
No Catalia then tonight, he asked, and I've been looking forward so to a nice little Catalia. But she was irresponsive, saying nervously, No, dear, no Catalia tonight. Can't you see I'm not well? It might have done you good, but I won't bother you. She begged him to put out the light before he went. He drew the curtains close round her bed and left her. But, when he was in his own house again, the idea suddenly struck him that perhaps Odette was expecting someone else that evening, that she had merely pretended to be tired, that she had asked him to put the light out only so that he should suppose that she was going to sleep, that the moment he had left the house she had lighted it again, and had reopened her door to the stranger who was to be her guest for the night. He looked at his watch. It was about an hour and a half since he had left her. He went out, took a cab, and stopped it close to her house, in a little street running at right angles to that other street, which lay at the back of her house, and along which he used to go sometimes to tap upon her bedroom window for her to let him in. He left his cab. The streets were all deserted and dark. He walked a few yards and came out almost opposite her house. Amid the glimmering blackness of all the row of windows, the lights in which had long since been put out, he saw one and only one, from which overflowed between the slats of its shutters, dosed like a wine-press over its mysterious golden juice, the light that filled the room within, a light which on so many evenings, as soon as he saw it, far off, as he turned into the street, had rejoiced his heart with its message, she is there, expecting you, and now tortured him with, she is there, with the man she was expecting. He must know who. He tiptoed along by the wall until he reached the window, but between the slanting bars of the shutters he could see nothing. He could hear only in the silence of the night the murmur of conversation. What agony he suffered as he watched that light, in whose golden atmosphere were moving behind the closed sash the unseen and detested pair, as he listened to that murmur which revealed the presence of the man who had crept in after his own departure, the perfidy of Odette, and the pleasures which she was at that moment tasting with the stranger. And yet he was not sorry that he had come. The torment which had forced him to leave his own house had lost its sharpness when it lost its uncertainty. Now that Odette's other life, of which he had had at that first moment a sudden helpless suspicion, was definitely there, almost within his grasp, before his eyes, in the full glare of the lamplight, caught and kept there an unwitting prisoner, in that room into which, when he would, he might force his way to surprise and seize it, or rather he would tap upon the shutters, as he had often done when he had come there very late, and by that signal Odette would at least learn that he knew, that he had seen the light and had heard the voices, while he himself, who a moment ago had been picturing her as laughing at him, as sharing with that other the knowledge of how effectively he had been tricked, now it was he that saw them confident and persistent in their error tricked and trapped by none other than himself whom they believed to be a mile away but who was there in person there with a plan there with the knowledge that he was going in another minute to tap upon the shutter and perhaps what he felt almost an agreeable feeling at that moment was something more than relief at the solution of a doubt at the soothing of a pain was an intellectual pleasure if since he had fallen in love things had recovered a little of the delicate attraction that they had had for him long ago though only when a light was shed upon them by a thought a memory of odette now it was another of the faculties prominent in the studious days of his youth that odette had quickened with new life 
the passion for truth, but for a truth which, too, was interposed between himself and his mistress, receiving its light from her alone, a private and personal truth, the sole object of which, an infinitely precious object, and one almost impersonal in its absolute beauty, was Odette, Odette in her activities, her environment, her projects, and her past. At every other period in his life, the little everyday words and actions of another person had always seemed wholly valueless to Swan. If gossip about such things were repeated to him, he would dismiss it as insignificant, and while he listened, it was only the lowest, the most commonplace part of his mind that was interested. At such moments, he felt utterly dull and uninspired. But in this strange phase of love, the personality of another person becomes so enlarged, so deepened, that the curiosity which he could now feel aroused in himself to know the least details of a woman's daily occupation was the same thirst for knowledge with which he had once studied history and all manner of actions from which until now he would have recoiled in shame such as spying to-night outside a window to-morrow for all he knew putting adroitly provocative questions to casual witnesses bribing servants listening at doors seemed to him now to be precisely on a level with the deciphering of manuscripts the weighing of evidence the interpretation of old monuments that was to say so many different methods of scientific investigation each one having a definite intellectual value and being legitimately employable in the search for truth end of part three section twelve recording by expatriate in bangor maine